Hello there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to another episode of Stories by Dark Saber Light. I'm Jess. And I'm Arca Jade. And this is a special episode still devoted to storytelling, but today we're taking a detour and we're going to talk about the amazing show that many of us just got done watching, WandaVision. Uh, I know that there is a lot of overlap in the fan bases of both uh, Star Wars and Marvel, and uh, neither one of us are deep Marvel fans, so don't come expecting us to give you tons of insight onto what you saw in the show, but we both thought that it was significant enough to talk about our reactions to the show and also the storytelling that was going on um, over the course of this limited series. So uh, we've got a lot of thoughts to hit today, but I think that we'll just kind of start out with general reactions on this very unique uh, TV show that um, has has really been breaking a lot of boundaries. So Arika, why don't you give us your, your uh, first thoughts? Um, I was really surprised by this show. Um, you know, I, I was looking forward to it, but I didn't really know what to expect. And I wasn't as hyped for it as I was for uh, some of the other shows, but it really blew me away. Uh, just, you know, even just from the start, I know some people were a little bit annoyed with it being kind of slow to start, but I, I really was very intrigued by it from the beginning. And I, I just loved how it pulled me in and got me in, really invested in this story and especially into Wanda's character much more than I was expecting to be. And so I, I had a really great time with it. I absolutely did too. I thought that this was one of the most unique TV shows or films or just any kind of media that I've seen in years. I, I mean, I think that right now we are still in this era where a lot of people are capitalizing on nostalgia and there's a lot of reboots and remakes and continuations of things, which I love. I'm not, I'm never going to, to knock on that or say that that shouldn't happen. But the premise of this show with the the whole sitcom idea and, and the way that the story kind of unravels um, I thought that this was just one of the most unique things I have ever seen. I just remember seeing that first initial promo where everybody just kind of watched it and it was like, what's going on? And nobody could tell you. And I just think that, you know, it's, it's not that it was good that it was confusing at first, but it was something that nobody just knew how to even quantify. And that was, I mean, just kudos to the writers who found this really, really unique way to dive into Wanda's character in a way that was not just your typical action-adventure film or TV show um, that looks just like the rest of the installments in the Marvel Universe. Big kudos to them. I am just so excited to see where the Marvel TV shows are going because I think that this was a great first foray into Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, this was such a really unique introduction into 
the the world of these streaming shows of, of Marvel being on streaming. This is the first Marvel streaming show. And I, I'm glad that they started with something a little bit unconventional. I know that, I believe that the release schedule was different before the pandemic hit and they kind of reshuffled everything. But I think that it actually kind of worked out in in Marvel's favor, so. Yeah, I thought that they really did a great job with this whole production. And um, I think I just kind of have to stick on this this um, subject a little bit longer about just the uniqueness of this premise. As somebody who is trained as a historian and as somebody who grew up on and loves classic sitcoms, um, I was just blown away by the fact that this is probably the greatest love letter to sitcoms, both both classic and modern, that has ever been created. And um, I was thinking a lot about how um, there's this thing called historiography, which is a little bit more like the history of the history of something. Like it's it's the way that we interpret history. And so any, any, you know, you could talk about this with anything because anything that has a history is going to be perceived differently at different stages, um, at, you know, as the years go by. This is a show that could literally be said to be a historiography of sitcoms sitcoms seen from the point of view of people living in 2021. And as a sitcom lover, I love that so many of these classic shows, which have survived and are still enjoyed by many people, are becoming reintroduced to a younger generation. So people who had no idea about the Dick Van Dyke show are cluing into the fact that that was a major inspiration for the first episode of the show. Is it going to get a lot of young people in 2021 to rewatch old episodes? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. You might get some. But what I love is that we were able to take this story and see the different um, elements that make up these classic sitcoms in different eras, watching as the actors change their um, change change their hairstyles, change their their clothes, change they you know the sets all change. You could even hear it in their vocal tones and um, you know yeah just just the way that they were portraying themselves in different eras it, it was all changing and kudos to the entire cast for being able to pull that off but um the attention to detail as they were replicating these different eras even things like shooting in different aspect ratios for the earlier episodes versus the, the later ones it just was so satisfying to see how much thought had been put into that premise, but then also to show that that premise, it wasn't just a premise for the sake of itself. It was an actual purposeful way of telling the story. 
And I know that a lot of people right from the get-go were theorizing this idea that, well, Wanda was probably watching these classic sitcoms in her childhood. um, And that's why she has these images in her head. And that basically was right. I, I just, I loved the fact that we got her backstory about how, you know, she's learning English via the Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitched and, and all of these things. And um, once again, yeah, I, I mean, that's all I really have to say on that topic, but I just really loved this premise. I, and I really hope that we see more of this very innovative storytelling in the TV shows Go, that are coming to us in the future. That's not to say that every one of them is going to be as off the walls, but um, I was just very encouraged in a, an era where I feel like there are a lot of shows and, and uh, films that basically all look very similar. This was so unorthodox and I just loved it so much. Yeah. And I love that they, they used these sitcoms to drive the narrative as well. Um, I mean, I grew up with these, a lot of these shows, watching reruns of them growing up. And so it, it was kind of nostalgic for me to, to see those homages being paid to stuff like the Brady Bunch and Bewitched. And, you know, they, they could have used it just to, you know, kind of be like a big Easter egg to people who had seen the shows, but they gave it a purpose. And I love how they used the progression of sitcoms through the decades to kind of mirror Wanda's gradual journey towards accepting reality. Because we see, you know, from really old sitcoms presented this really very kind of sanitized view of what real life looked like. It really wasn't reflective of real life it was just this this kind of very cleaned up version of it and as you see the progression of sitcoms over time they tend to start incorporating more things that are reflective of reality even if it's still exaggerated and you you see that with these shows and you see that with Wanda's progression as a character where at the beginning of the show she's in complete denial of of her own grief and trauma and of her own reality and as the show progresses she's coming more towards an awareness of what has happened to her as well as coming to an acceptance of what has happened to her and as you see her going through that journey the the era that the shows are taking place in changes. And of course, like the, the formula starts to change with it. And so I love that you, you get like a crash course in sitcom history, but it's sort of being used to, to show what's going on in Wanda's head as well. Exactly. Yeah. You would never see the premises that are explored in, for example, Modern Family, which, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the way that like Wanda in that episode, you know, she's, she's saying like, oh, I got to take time for self-care, got to, you know, and she's, she's kind of isolating herself. And it's almost like this, this statement on the current um, pandemic. And, but she, she's, you can tell that mentally she's, she's unstable. Well, you would never explore a premise like that in the Dick Van Dyke show or 
or or bewitched. They might have variations on the idea, but in terms of like really bringing in these characters as, as you know, like you said, like as being reflective of reality. Um, again, really great way to start with a very sanitized view of um, what I think Wanda probably saw as American life and then trace through her being able to deal with her situation, not just seeing the evolution of the sitcoms, but actually using that as a metaphor to show her growth. Absolutely amazing. I, I would love if the writers of this show would, um, and, and I'm, ho I'm hoping they, they will, um, there's, there's a commentary coming out or, you know, like a behind the scenes look at the show. I'm really hoping that the writers will talk about the inspiration for the show and how they, they came up with it. Um, because my, ha my hat's off to whoever was able to sit down and create this, this premise um, and, then, and then bring it into reality. So let's see. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we've talked about this. We've talked about the, how this really is Wanda's story. This, you know, we, this really is um, a limited series around her character development, stuff that we hadn't known before. Um, at the end, we've come out with a Wanda who is far more fleshed out than we've gotten in the past. Um, I don't know. I, I just think like that really strikes me as a strength of this show because you are never going to be able to get an eight hour long theatrical release that dives into a certain character and their backstory. You're going to get bits and pieces of it, but, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the purposes of this show and maybe we can even go into that now. Um, I thought that that was a, a fantastic way to um, to show, like you know, like this is the purpose of this series. It's it's not a ton of action and explosions and things like that until the end, but it gives us something different than we could ever expect from a theatrical release. It was so cool to be able to come out of this first Marvel Disney Plus TV show with a much better understanding of Wanda. This really was an eight episode exploration of her character. And we've come out the other end with a Wanda that is much more fleshed out than we've gotten in, uh, in the previous films. And um, I just really liked that it goes to show that theatrical films and these streaming shows are going to have different purposes and i think that we could we can sit on this topic for a while the idea of of what exactly shows like the mandalorian shows like wandavision shows like you know we're, we're getting Andor, kenobi falcon and winter soldier all of these things um they're going to be different from theatrical releases and that, that, I think, is a very good thing. That's not to say that they have to necessarily take the place of theatrical film storytelling. Um, but they're, they're 
telling stories that we're not going to get on the big screen. You would never be able to go to the theater and get a, you know, something as long as WandaVision, a show that is basically about a specific character. For theatrical releases, it has to have lots of explosions, lots of action. And unfortunately, when that's the case, I find that a lot of times character development, if if it's not completely deleted from a story, it can be usually just placed on the back burner. You'll get comments here or there, but this was a very in-depth look at her life, and it was really unique to be able to take this character and really find out what makes her tick. And since we know that she's going to be such a big part of phase four of the MCU, I think that that was a really great way to kick things off and flesh her out um, since she's going to be a really big character moving forward. Yeah, I think it was really smart of Marvel to do that. Um, You know, the, the show doesn't require you to watch it. I think that once Doctor Strange 2 comes out, you know, people who didn't watch the show at all, they aren't going to be totally lost. But for the people who did take the time to watch the show, they have such a better understanding of Wanda's character now. And I think that that's going to really be the, the big reward of having taken the time to watch the series is that now we have a, a better understanding of this character. She's a lot more fleshed out. And so I think that that's going to help a lot of fans when they go into multiverse of madness in a year to to know that background and to know more about wanda and therefore be more invested in her part of the story because for me the characters are always an anchor to the story i can be intrigued by the plot and the world building but if the characters don't really pull me in I'm going to have a lot of trouble being invested in what's going on and there's a lot of series that I've read and I've watched where that unfortunately has been the case where the writers have done a really good job of setting up this really interesting world and really interesting story but the characters don't don't do it for me and for me they're like the last piece of the puzzle or or in the most important piece of the puzzle like they're the key to being fully immersed in whatever the world is because they're the ones that kind of hold your hand and pull you in and so this show's main purpose really was to flesh Wanda out as a character and to hopefully get people more invested in her character so they can be more invested in whatever her storyline is going to be for her next appearance which I believe is in Doctor Strange 2. So Arika, you mean that this show, the purpose of this show was not to introduce Mephisto and bring in John Krasinski as Reed Richards? Yes, I guess that's what I'm saying. Um, And I'll be honest, you know, I was really gunning for like a Mephisto reveal, at least like in, in one of the end credit scenes. But I, and I understand why, people are are disappointed that somebody big didn't show up but i do understand why it didn't happen um 
Because at the end of the day, first and foremost, yes, this is Wanda's show. It's about her character development. But I think that it also speaks to what the, the purpose of these shows are. And I think for the Marvel universe, it definitely is to be that connecting tissue in between these movies. The movies are still very much the big events and more people are going to see the the movies than are going to take the time to commit to a show with several episodes. Um, so as much as it would have been cool to have a really, really big reveal at the end of this show, I think I think it honestly may have been the smartest decision not to do that because say that they had introduced somebody big like Mephisto at the end. Well, then you, we go into Doctor Strange 2 a year later. Everybody who didn't watch WandaVision, they're going to get thrown into this story where it's like, well, Mephisto was a major player now. And it's like, well, those people are going to be hopelessly lost and be like, where did he come from? Why is he here? How did he become part of this story and especially if they're not comics aficionados they're going to be even more lost than, than everybody else so um and it reminds me of how star wars did this reveal at the end of solo with darth maul which we had talked about that you know to those of us who had watched clone wars and knew that he had come back and that he had this whole story and that he wasn't dead yeah, it made sense, but to everybody who hadn't watched Clone Wars that didn't know that that he'd he'd come back, that they'd given him this whole story about him kind of becoming a crime lord, it was it came out of nowhere, and it you know, and it, it kind of alienated a lot of people because they just didn't know what was going on. And I had a friend with me when I went to see that movie. And he's a pretty big Star Wars fan, but he's never seen Clone Wars. So he was confused by the ending. I, I wasn't confused, but he was. And I felt kind of bad for him because the, the, the story really just sort of threw that at people and just expected everybody to kind of to get it. And I think that if WandaVision had done the same thing with a massive reveal of of a character whether it's Mephisto or you know Reed Richards or somebody else that would have cheated the people who don't want to take the time or haven't had the time to watch the shows going into you know the, the next few movies especially Doctor Strange and just feeling like I I've totally missed something here because I didn't watch the show and I don't know why or how this character is here Yep. And there's, there's so much to talk about here. Um, I think, you know, we can just kind of sit on this topic for a very long time because there's so many facets. There's this idea of what exactly is the purpose of these TV shows. It's the idea of how do you tell a story for both a casual audience who isn't committing to watch all of these Disney plus shows or in star Wars cases case, the, um, you know, 10 years of, of, the Clone Wars and Rebels, but also telling a story for the diehard fans, they're not bored either. Um, and that is to say, I do understand why people are kind of disappointed by a lot of WandaVision. Um, I don't think that we should have these expectations about having these big reveals. I don't think that it's even necessary. And yet I do think that there was a lot of setup in the show where, um, 
things felt purposeful. And um, it reminds me of how when I watched the, um, the, the gallery series about the making of the Mandalorian, um, there's a moment it's, it's in this, it's in the more recent um, season two look back, but it's from the episode in season one where um, Fennec Shand has been shot. And then the very last shot in the episode is someone walking up to her and the part that they included in the gallery is Dave Filoni telling Jon Favreau, people are going to know this is Boba Fett because they added in the sound of his spurs as he was walking. And I can't remember exactly how it happened, but but John or somebody else asks, you know, oh, will, will they know? Will they know? And, and Dave's like, yeah, they'll know. They, he, he's anticipating the fan conversations that are coming from that episode and then he he knew that that was going to happen and he set it up for what happened in season two i really appreciate that because i think that it goes to show that dave knows what the fans are going to say he knows what they're going to be interested in and he knows how to use something as more of a foreshadow and then pay it off later I had a little bit more of a problem with this one because I felt like there was a lot in WandaVision that felt purposeful. Things like, um, well, I know that, um, you know, a lot of people were talking about Agnes's rabbit. Is this rabbit Mephisto? Is this, is this her familiar? Is this, you know, what does this represent? The fact that there was a fly or a moth or a cicada um, that Wanda focuses in on before she realizes that Agatha's uh, or that Agnes's basement is all creepy and everything like that. Those were things that are very purposeful production designs, production elements, and the fans are going to pick up on them. And I believe that they know that they know that the fans are going to speculate. Um, the, the fly thing was, you know, most people thought, oh, this is a reference to Mephisto. The problem is, is that I do think that there was a lot that felt purposeful and then was never paid off. Part of that, I think, was to subvert expectations. You know, it was, it was things like the mailman who kept showing up. A lot of people were saying, maybe he's Ralph. <laughs> and then, I, you know, I was a little bit disappointed by um, Fietro and the reveal that he wasn't anything significant, um, but in this world, he was supposedly a, a an actor with a funny name. Um, I get why people are upset about that. I will say that it's not a guarantee that that's the end of the story. I have seen a lot of people ask, you know, they've, they've speculated that perhaps this... Um, Ralph Boner guy is basically the um, person who is in witness protection, which was another question that we didn't get answered because this whole story started out with, with Jimmy Woo and this person who's supposedly in witness protection. We never found out who that was. And a lot of people have said, why would he laugh at his last name if it wasn't 
his real name. Maybe that's his his witness protection name, his alias, and that's why he laughs at Boner. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there will be a payoff. I do think that I recognize, though, that people are disappointed because a lot of things that they thought were going to be payoffs weren't. Um, but I also think that it is important that audiences learn that it's unreasonable to take all of your fan theories and place those expectations onto a show and, and expect that the writers must um, deal with these, these questions that we have. Otherwise, they've missed something. I've said before that I think that one of the reasons why franchises are almost always doomed to fail is because fandom, as wonderful as it is, breeds this idea of, oh, we're going to speculate on the questions that the last movie raised and we're going to theorize all of these things. Then when people go into whatever comes next, they're often disappointed because their fan theories weren't correct. And I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit in terms of like, you know, we, we, like you mentioned, if they had revealed Mephisto, if they had done all of these things, you're ultimately alienating the people who have not watched the show, but will show up for Doctor Strange too. Unless we want to go into every franchise theatrical release with a previously on the show that you didn't watch segment. <laughs> We're going to get more of these these um, reveals like with Maul and Solo, which as much as I love Maul and was glad to see him in that movie, I'm not a fan of that because it definitely alienated the casual fans who had last seen him bisected and falling down a reactor shaft in The Phantom Menace. So... <sighs> I don't know. Any, any thoughts on that in terms of what, what the audience should expect from shows like this and what they should not? Um, yeah, I, I think what you should expect should probably be informed by what purpose the shows are serving. Um, with these new Star Wars shows with co- that are coming out, I think it's a little bit more reasonable to expect that will get bigger reveals like something on par with Luke Skywalker showing up at the end of Mandalorian season two because they've they've moved away from these big saga films now um you know and the next theatrical release of a Star Wars film isn't for at least a couple years yet and that's even going to be like its own kind of side story it's a about Rogue Squadron. So um, I think it's safe to say that these shows now are kind of taking the place of these big Star Wars movies. So it's a bit more reasonable to kind of speculate and maybe even expect that we're going to get some pretty big things that happen in these shows or big reveals of big characters. Whereas with the Marvel shows that I you mentioned earlier, they they're kind of purpose is to connect these movies the movies are still very much the big events and 
so they have to be able to walk that line between giving the audience something big while also not going too big so that the people who don't watch the shows aren't lost when they watch the films. Um, so I, I think with these Marvel shows, it may be smarter to, I guess, lower your expectations of how big they're going to go. And I, I hate framing it that way, but uh, because that's not to say they can't do some pretty amazing things. I think that they they did some really fun things with WandaVision and I do think that they're probably going to do some really cool stuff with Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki coming up um but I think it's with these shows I think you've kind of got to maybe lower the bar a little bit because they are I do think gonna just save the biggest things for those films and because they're trying to reach an audience of people who will both watch the shows or not watch them at all. They, they have to do that. They have to find that balance. Whereas with star Wars, the shows right now are pretty much all we have, you know, like the Mandalorian, I don't think is, is leading up to a movie Rangers and Ahsoka. I don't think they're leading up to like some big theatrical movie event as far as we know right now. So they are a little bit more self-contained than these Marvel shows are. So it makes more sense for them to introduce things that are really big, say like the Thrawn reveal, which would would be and probably will be a really huge thing for people who are invested in that um, because those shows are now the movies basically while the marvel shows are in between i agree and i think that you could you could phrase it like star wars especially this this i've always called it the favroni verse you know we're getting mando and boba fett and rangers and ahsoka this is the main event it is not leading up to any theatrical release as far as we know it just is this is the story that they want to tell but marvel it's not the big reveal it's a teaser for the big reveal and so to expect them to bring in reed richards and spoil that for everyone knowing that not everybody is watching the show it's going to be far more dramatic if they save that reveal for a theatrical release um, instead of dropping it just for the fans who are watching WandaVision. So I, I definitely think that the fans will save themselves a lot of disappointment in the long run if they recognize that these shows, these shows have different purposes Um, in and of themselves. So like people who are trying to compare the Mandalorian and WandaVision, um, they're apples and oranges. They're, they're functioning very differently. Um, But also in terms of what Disney and um, Marvel and Lucasfilm are going to be willing to do in these, these shows that also is very different as well. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, the you know the actual comparisons that you can make between these shows you know um 
these are the first two Disney Plus series. And so it is natural that people are going to want to compare them. But they're also different in terms of where their starting points are. The Mandalorian is a new story. Um, It is not based on anything external um, the way that, that WandaVision was. WandaVision was an ongoing story um, set within this, this franchise with these same characters that we've already known and inspired by a lot of comics and things like that. So that's going to affect the storytelling. Mando, um, obviously they were building off of a premise 10 years in the making from the, um, you know, the stories that had been set up in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, and also before that with um, the EU stories as well, as we see Boba Fett coming back. But the actual story itself of the Mandalorian and the character of Din Djarin, that was new. And I think that... That also factors in to what you can expect from a show like this at at this point. Um, For WandaVision, we didn't really know Wanda in in a very fleshed out form, but she's been with us for a long time. She's, She's been in a lot of movies. And so I think that it was smart that they were able to go very emotional with this this series the ending of this show i found very gutsy because the big baddie beyond agatha harkness was grief and the mental state that wanda was in i think that that's only something that you can lean into when your audience already knows the character. That's not to say that you can't have compelling new characters, but Din and Grogu have only been with us for about two years. And the Mandalorian has always kind of been this slow moving Western that kind of gives you just tiny little new tidbits. The end of season two was very emotional with, their their parting and Luke being there. And I think that was great. But I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, WandaVision was so much more emotional than Mandalorian. And in a way, I think that, again, that's a comparison that really shows the differences between these two stories because um, we're not ready for that kind of emphasis on the characters as the core of the show i hope that we get there eventually i think that we will but um again even though i get why people are comparing these two shows i do think that they just they embody very different purposes very different storytelling techniques and it's not necessarily productive to say one is good and one is not or even one is better than the other i think that both of them have done a great job of exploring stories within their respective franchises and i'm excited to see what's coming up um as well but um 
I definitely think that people should just kind of step back and and appreciate both of them for what they bring without trying to make a quantified decision as to which one is better. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, we've already talked about how, you know, the Marvel and the Star Wars shows are kind of fulfilling different purposes. And obviously that's going to impact the type of storytelling. So... Like you, I find it very hard to compare them because they they do seem so different in what they're trying to do and what they need to do within the confines of their respective franchise. And I think even with these Marvel shows, I can definitely see people probably attempting to compare the shows just for Marvel to each other. And I think that it's going to be really hard to do that as well because they, they're each going for something very different um and they might have a common purpose to oh we have to connect to certain movies but each story is about different characters and different parts of the universe and so they've got to tell the story in different in different ways so i don't think it's uh, I, I don't really agree with you know condemning or or propping up a show as being you know better or worse simply because the storytelling is different. If the storytelling serves the purpose of the story, then judge it on that and how well it does that. I completely agree. Um, I think that. I think that people are always going to compare and rank things. Um, personally, I've, I've just never found that very productive. You know, you get the people who will, you know, rank the MCU movies, rank the Star Wars movies. I just think that while, while that might be productive to some people, I just don't really think that it adds anything because I think that it ultimately just denigrates one movie because it doesn't it doesn't uh, fulfill one expectation that another movie might have. So I think that it's better just to enjoy what you're given um, and, and evaluate it on its own merits. And I really hope that people are willing to do that as we continue to get more and more TV shows also coming out on Disney plus, there's really no reason to say Falcon and winter soldier is better than WandaVision or vice versa. Um, I'm just really excited that we're getting really high level content in um tv shows now i mean we've we've always said that um we are living through the golden age of television and now television has become basically synonymous with streaming sites and i'm just very excited to see that you don't have to go to a movie theater which is very difficult to do at the moment anyway in order to get really high quality storytelling um storytelling that really is engaging to fans of these franchises and really seeks to, um, as we mentioned before, tell stories for the people who know everything that there is to know about these universes, but also the ones that um, aren't quite as in the know. And um, I did want to make an, a comment about that as well, because um, I, I will say that I do have a criticism about WandaVision. Um, maybe not being as friendly to casual audiences 
while also recognizing my own bias um, in that I'm just not the the uh, biggest Marvel fan. Um, but one thing that, that sticks out to me is that before Mando season two aired, John and Dave, or one of them, um, basically stated that the the purpose of this show that they recognized that they needed to tell a story for both the diehard fans and a more casual audience. And I think that they really succeeded in doing that. They introduced a lot of new characters in season two. Um, you know, you, you got people like Boba Fett who most people did know, but you got the people like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka that would not be known to a more casual audience. And yet I think that uh, they were introduced in ways that were still compelling and could still be enjoyed. Um, even if you didn't know everything, you don't have to know Bo-Katan's whole backstory to know that she is important to the context of the Mandalorian going forward. You still recognize that there's a reason why she wants the dark saber, why she wants the throne of Mandalore, why she finds it important to reunite the clans and all of this. And you don't need to know about Satine and Maul and Pre Vizsla and all of these people in order to do that. Even though as fans, we know that that adds an awful lot. I did have a bigger problem with WandaVision because I felt like there were a lot of times where I, as a more casual fan, I wasn't able to recognize the significance of something and it made me feel like I was somehow an inadequate viewer. And that is not to say that every show or movie has to pander to the more casual audiences. But for example, the one point where I was kind of frustrated was um, two weeks ago when we got Wanda's backstory and that ended with Agatha revealing that she is the Scarlet Witch. That's the way that that episode ends. And I knew that I was missing a piece of the significance of that reveal. And I didn't know what it was because for me, I had always known that Elizabeth Olsen was playing this character of Wanda Maximoff, who was the Scarlet Witch. But I didn't know that there was a history to it about how, you know, it, it hadn't been stated in the MCU before because there were some, I don't know, rights issues or something like that. And so for, for the real diehard fans who knew that, that was a huge reveal. But to me, it kind of made me go, what am I missing in this episode? This is what it ended on. And I feel like I have inadequate knowledge. And I think that um, I kind of felt that in the last episode as well, not really knowing exactly what the implications were. Um, but I, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts about that? Did you feel like there was a wall up between you as a more casual fan. Um, and I will also admit, I, I did spend a lot of time listening to fan theory videos and things like that, especially, you know, things like um, Ryan Airy and his, his screen crush videos and all that, which I think was great. And yet I still felt like there was a wall between me and the actual show. Did you feel that? And do you think that um, there's something that can be done better or do you think that there's do you think that that's just something that should be expected from a show like this um i'm a little bit 
in the middle on this one. Uh, I definitely did at the beginning feel more of a wall because it did seem to be catering a lot to like really diehard comics fans, which I am, I'll be honest, I'm not. Like I know little bits and pieces from things, um, but I'm not like a huge comics aficionado. So yeah, I had to go and, you know, watch a lot of these breakdown videos to kind of really get an idea of what might be going on. Uh, it, it, I think it cleared up better as the show started progressing. Uh, but I do think, I think maybe they could have done, a, I don't know, a, a better job with making it a little bit more accessible, at least from the start to people who, who aren't as well versed in the comics. Uh, but in terms of just Marvel in general, I feel like it was really hard for a show like this to be fully accessible to a very casual viewer um you know i was on a, a discord server with some people who had not seen the show yet and one of them had asked you know do i need to watch the you know the other marvel films before i watch this show and pretty much the general consensus among us was yeah you're probably gonna have to because it, it, you're not going to really be able to get that much out of it unless you know all of this background context going in. And I think that that's, that's something that is an issue with these MCU properties. Not that, that, that it's an issue in a bad way, but it does, the, the nature of this franchise does make it hard for somebody who's kind of you know, out of the loop to just come in at any point in time and say, well, I'm going to watch this because it catches my eye. That's, I think it's maybe easier to do with something like The Mandalorian because it is a new story just taking place in the Star Wars universe. Whereas WandaVision is like, it's pretty much just a continuation of over a decade's worth of movies at this point and so you can't you kind of can't come into it blind um and i don't think with any of these shows that are coming into it i don't think that anybody's going to be able to go into them blind the way they might have been able to with with the mandalorian because it it requires at least some basic knowledge of all of these other films that have have come before and i think that i think that marvel knows that i think that they've they're trying to make these as accessible to casual fans in the sense of casual fans who may not be super deep into comics lore, but not so much where it's like, well, we've got to explain everything to people who who haven't seen any of these movies. I don't think that they can do that because that would just require too much effort and, and exposition. So, and I think that they know their audience. I think that, that Marvel at this point, they know that they're appealing to people who have been sticking with these movies for a long time, as well as people who are well-versed in the comics or might know something about the comics. So they know that the majority of people who are going to be watching these shows are people who, who know something about what's going on. Yeah, I, I agree. And and ultimately the thing is, is that you can't, you can enjoy WandaVision if you want, you can enjoy this, this uh, show about, um, you know, this, 
this woman kind of trapped in a sitcom and, and this mystery behind it and the reveal of whoever Agatha Harkness is, you know, even if you don't know the comics, but ultimately you're right that it gets back to that comment that I made about Mando being a new story and WandaVision being based on all of this already existing material. If um, they're going to try to honor that material and bring it into this franchise, then they're necessarily going to have to adapt it. And for casual fans, they might not have that, that knowledge. So um, while even I can recognize, you know, a bit of a wall there, I agree with you that um, there's no way to fully remove that impediment, but it's also not necessarily the job of the show to do so. Um, but, but ultimately, I think that the show served its purpose of exploring Wanda's backstory, paying, paying um, homage to the comics, and setting us up for a, you know, phase four of the MCU with, with this character that we really, really know and care about now. And I think that, um, I don't know, that was the purpose, and I think that they did it very, very well. Yeah, I agree. I think it was it was smart to to focus on this character development aspect of things for for one of these shows. And I I would hope that some of the other shows do do the same because um, they they do have an opportunity to spend several episodes really focusing on these characters that maybe you know didn't get enough time to to have that focus on them in the films. Definitely. Definitely. So anything else about, um, you know, the story of WandaVision, even going into, you know, what, what did you enjoy in terms of what happened with the characters, what they touched on? What was, what were some of your favorite moments in the series? Um, I think my favorite thing about the series overall was how it portrayed uh, trauma and grief I was really surprised at how well it handled that topic um and there was a surprising amount of nuance to it too I think that it, it would have been very easy to just go very black and white with this story and say like oh Wanda's a hero or Wanda's a villain and they kind of didn't do that especially by the end of it and um they they showed her as this very complex person who's going through this very complex emotional journey and I think that there I think there's a lot of people out there who probably saw themselves in in Wanda I definitely saw a lot of myself in her I have a you know a friend who's been watching it who who said that watching the show was honestly kind of like a healing experience for her. And I think that that to me was probably the biggest strength of this show that they could show this character who went through really significant emotional trauma and then pretty much started off not knowing how to deal with it and having to go through this struggle of learning how to to deal with it. And I, I was really surprised at how, in my opinion, anyway, of like an accurate 
fictional representation this was of that recovery and healing process. You have this, this person who's so overwhelmed with the emotional fallout from what happened to her that she retreats into this fantasy world, which, you know, to get a little bit into psychology a bit, I, I saw that and went, that's a really interesting, almost like exaggerated representation of what's called maladaptive daydreaming, which is a symptom that a lot of people, like very traumatized people have as a way of, you know, you kind of retreat into this fantasy world in your head, whether that's, you know, making up stories or making up an alternate version of your life. And it's a way for, for somebody who has gone through something very uh, painful or traumatic or, you know, is dealing with something like extreme anxiety or depression to kind of uh, soothe themselves, calm themselves down, create like this safe space to, to live in where they can't be hurt. And that's essentially what Wanda does in this show. She creates this, this little sp safe space that's this, this fake fantasy reality where she doesn't have to be hurt by the pain of her own reality and that's the the whole show is dealing with her having to move away with that and learn to to cope with what's actually going on in real life um and you know this is something that i've been very familiar with in my own life and i know people who who are also familiar with with that process as well and it's it's not difficult and i, I like that the show i mean it is difficult and i like that the show doesn't shy away from showing how how difficult that is i also like that it didn't shy away from showing you know that that Wanda was very much a victim of her circumstances but at the same time her inability to to deal with her pain and resolve that trauma ended up hurting other people, which is a very unfortunate reality when it when it comes to people who have gone th through some some serious things like this. That it, th these kind of things go in cycles, and so you know it starts with somebody being getting hurt, and then that person kind of passing it on to other people. And you actually you see this represented very well in the show especially at the end where she she realizes that she she her pain hurt these other people and initially it started out as completely unintentional and i think that 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 happens a lot as, as well with with people who've who've sustained significant emotional trauma it affects your behavior in certain ways that where you, at first you don't even realize that you you may be affecting somebody in an in a negative way and um I, I loved that line at the very end the at the in the last episode where one of the characters I think I forget which character it was says your grief is poisoning us and that that was such a, a gutsy line because I think that it's easy to take a character who's gone through something incredibly painful like this and to really just frame the story in a way where you, you want to make them super sympathetic and kind of absolve them of everything, but the show didn't entirely do that. It showed Wanda as being an incredibly sympathetic person who had been hurt and gone through some really painful stuff while also acknowledging that 
her the the fact that she lost her grasp on her own pain caused pain to other people and so when she became aware of that it was her responsibility to take the step to stop that cycle from continuing and you know as somebody who's who's very familiar with that that process of recovery and healing that was really I found that incredibly powerful to see because I think that it it it's powerful for people who are familiar with that process to see. And is also, I think it's really useful for people who may have loved ones going through it, who don't really may not understand what's going on to kind of see this visually represented in a way that's really easy to digest. And I think that, you know, with, in the end of the show, you see Wanda, taking responsibility to do the right thing. She recognizes that, you know, what happened to me was incredibly unfair and I, I can't fix that, but it's unfair of me to just, you know, allow that to hurt other people. And so she takes the step to, to stop it. And I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, saying that, you know, her running away at the end is, is kind of her just escaping responsibility for her actions. But I kind of have to really strongly disagree with that. I actually really loved that ending where she goes off on her own, because to me, I kind of saw that as her, her way of taking responsibility. She, this whole thing with Westview happened because she lost control of her emotions. And because her, her powers really do seem to be tied to her emotions, she recognized, I have to learn how to control this. So maybe another Westview incident doesn't happen again. And that's kind of how I saw her, her going away at the end. She purposely sort of isolates herself so that she can understand this and learn how to, to figure out how to, to deal with it so that hopefully she doesn't hurt anybody else because I think that she was very shaken by the impact that her her grief had on this town. And it definitely seemed like she felt very guilty about it. I mean, she even says to to Monica at the end, you know, Monica recognizes that she she gave up a lot to save the town. And she says, well, you they'll never know what you sacrifice for them. And, and Wanda says to her, that isn't going to change how they see me. And so she she recognizes that it's like she she did a, a terrible thing and she has to figure out how to if she can't fix it at the very least she can maybe prevent it from from happening again and i thought that that all of that was really a, a very uh, powerful way of just telling this story and kind of showing this this character's journey with with a lot more nuance than i would have expected from from a Marvel show. I agree. And I really have loved that over the last couple of years, we've gotten some really beautiful examples of very deep, um, um, almost cerebral storytelling. I'm thinking of things like Inside Out, which really revolutionized the way that um, people talk about mental health and was used extensively by um, people in the profession with clients and with the children especially. And then, you know, even things like um, we recently got Soul, which I felt 
like was a little bit different, um, but I could see it really being something that's used by, you know, therapists again, you know, with people who really feel like, oh, I haven't found my purpose in life. You know, what, what is purpose? Why am I here? And now with this one, again, it's, this is a story that um, it, it does what all great stories do. And it's, it's a metaphor for exactly what we go through in life. And it helps people quantify their feelings and it helps people um, put into words what previously they might not have been able to do. Um, so I think that there's an importance to this show beyond just adding to this science fiction superhero franchise. And I think that that is, that's where entertainment can really serve a very practical purpose. And I love that. Um, beyond that, I, I love everything that you said about grief and, you know, echoing that as well. I, I love that the, you know, the, the line that comes out of this show, what is grief, if not love persevering? What a powerful sentiment, especially after a year basically living in isolation in pandemic and, um, if not having lost people over the last year, um, just in, in general, just recognizing that the very heavy emotions that people feel are not proof that you're broken. It's proof that you're alive and that you're, you're human and that you've loved. And I, I just think that um, this is a show that I think was even more well-received based on the fact that it's coming to us at this time and place as opposed to, um, I'm sure it would still have been very well received if we hadn't been in the middle of a pandemic, but I think it just hits harder. It just hits a little bit more. And I just, I, I, I really love that. So absolutely. I completely agree with you on everything that you said. Um, for me, I also, I don't know. I just think like it was still fun. It was a fun show where, you know, we started talking about sitcoms and the humor and um, more than that, even you know, seeing the humor change through the decades of these sitcoms that we're experiencing, going through, seeing these homages to mockumentary shows that people, especially of our generation, have really enjoyed over the last couple of years. And um, I don't know, it was just, I, I did not expect to love this show as much as I did. I went into it going, I'm a casual Marvel fan. I'm sure that I will enjoy this as well. But every Friday morning, just like The Mandalorian, I was just so excited to watch it. So excited to see what they were going to do with the premise as well as the characters. Um, and I think that it was, yeah, it was just fun. I really loved the last episode where we got this family fighting together. And I know that you and I are both really big fans of The Incredibles. And um, part of the reason why I... I'm still just so excited and, and waiting and hoping that Fantastic Four, when um, the newest iteration comes out, I'm really hoping that they just skip the origin story. It's been done twice and we don't need to revisit that. Um, I hope that they just start with Reed and Sue and their family and make them a, a superhero family that fights together. And we got that in this show as well. 
and I just loved that the imagery of all of them fighting together. Uh, I loved the, there's even a line that I really enjoyed where Vision and Wanda say to their boys, you know, you've never done this, I, you know, this is new for you, but you were born for this. And um, it made me think of the line in The Incredibles where um, Helen, Elastigirl, looks at Violet, who also has never fought before and she doesn't really know what to expect um, going forward. And she says, you'll know what to do. This is in your blood. And I don't know, I just felt like there were a lot of homages to my favorite superhero family. And now I'm excited to um, see another one. Not sure what the future of the Wanda Vision family is, but um, I don't know. There's definitely something going on where we end this series with Wanda hearing her children's screams. And again, I'm, I'm not a diehard fan. I'm not really sure what people have speculated on the significance of all of that, but um, they set up this premise that um, Vision is probably coming back. This idea that they've said goodbye, but they're going to say hello again. And uh, I think that if they can justify it, I would love to see more from this superhero family. Yeah, I really love the Incredibles nod in this show as well. Um, I thought that was really cute. And I de it definitely felt like it was very intentional. And I, a lot of people did pick up on it and were fans of what they did with that. So that that was that was cute. I enjoyed it. I, I have to say, you know, if I had to pick out something else fun that I really enjoyed with this show was just the performances of the actors. You know, they just really did an amazing job with this. I I, I was just so impressed how they adapted to each of the sitcom environments, because like you said, it's a very different sense of humor for for each era. And they just they adapted to it flawlessly just from the very beginning all the way up to the end. And when it kind of broke out of that sitcom mold, they were able to go back into, you know, this is the Marvel superhero story and now it's dramatic. And it, it's, it, I mean, it's amazing how, how much this show showcased how big of a range all of these actors have, um, especially, you know, the, the main cast, I think, I was really surprised at how well Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen handled comedic timing, especially near the beginning. I thought it, it was amazing. And then switching into those more dramatic, serious moments, they they just handled it flawlessly. And um, with, you know, some of the other characters, I think really, for me, the shining star of this show is Catherine Hahn as, as Agatha Harkness. Um, she just, she killed it in that role. She was fantastic. And I, I love how well she adapted to the different sitcom environments as well. And, it, and just how dynamic her performance was. I mean, she really won people over pretty much in the span of a single episode and even just like this one moment at the end of I think it was episode seven where we had the 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 Agatha all along song because I think up until that point you know she was kind of just a side character that people theorize that yeah it's got to be Agatha Harkness like who else could it be but she you know she would pop in and out and 
there was some question as to whether or not she was a major player, but that episode really like she just captivated people's attention and has now become a, a character that I think a lot of people have latched onto that really want to see more of. And I suspect that we're definitely going to see more of her. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to let go of, of Catherine anytime soon. Um, yeah, she definitely feels like a kind of a female version of, of Loki. And, you know, Loki was definitely a fan favorite when he was first introduced. So I can, I can see them keeping her around for a while for the fans. I can as well. And yeah, to echo all of that, she was really the standout to me. And I just thought, again, the genius of the storytelling, everybody knew that she was Agatha Harkness. If you have been watching the theory videos, if you know anything about the comics, it was never a surprise. But the thing is, is that it didn't have to be. The, the reveal was pulled off so flawlessly that we didn't care that we had already predicted it. And I think it has to do with that darn song, which is still in my head. <laughs> because I don't think that we would have cared. If they had just revealed it, we would have said, great, we predicted that. That's exactly what we were expecting. Give us something new. Let's see where they're going with this. But there was something in that reveal that stuck with us. And, you know, social media just erupted with love for this character. And I think it was because of this minute-long jingle that, uh, that, that, people just latched onto, which was really fun too, because again, um, I loved that you can get these moments where like people, people loved the, the rhythm and the melody of this, this little theme song. And it was inspired by the monsters from the 1960s. And there were all these other little things that were, were being, uh, you know, put into that little theme song, but I, the, the number of covers and extended versions and people's own performances that I've seen of this little song on YouTube, I'm just amazed by, by exactly how um, iconic it's become within, I mean, basically immediately when it came out. So again, I think that, that goes to show that you don't necessarily have to shock your audience in order to make something including you know a reveal of a character like that very effective and that's something that's good to remember as well that it's not necessarily about subverting expectations but even playing into them in a way that um your fans are going to latch on to so once again nothing but praise for Catherine Hahn and for the writers of this show and um the only thing that I was disappointed by was I was really like there was this one little part of me that just really wanted Disney to push into the marketing of this and for like the week afterwards retitle WandaVision to Agatha all along. That's that's all I wanted. <laughs> oh, but I don't know. I think that, yeah, that that pretty much covers it. I mean, this has just been such a wonderful series. Can't wait to see what's coming up next with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, and I guess as a parting question... Um, because this was going around Twitter um, about a week ago or so. Um, your Wanda, 
what sitcoms would you like to live through? Maybe oh. go up to like your top top five. What do you think? Um, hmm, live through. Uh, I definitely have to say the nanny would be one of them. I I grew up with that show. That's a show that I think would be really fun to actually live in because there's a difference between watching and wanting to live in the world. Um, because there's there's a lot of shows that I've I've watched where I'm like, huh, that's that's so funny to see everybody else dealing with with all this this crap that's happening to them but I would not be <laughs> want to be the one who's dealing with it but the nanny seems like it's a ge- would be a genuinely fun universe to inhabit and I think that Fran would be a really fun friend to have if not a somewhat exhausting one at times um I also think Sabrina the Teenage Witch that was a big one of mine growing up and I thought you know that that would be another fun world to inhabit especially if if you were one of the witches and had had magic powers um and can't go wrong with a talking cat as well so uh I let me in terms of uh, just pure fluff, probably full house as well. You know, I grew up as an only child, so I think just being in in a house with like a a, a big family, I'd probably, I'd I'd really enjoy, and that would that would be fun as well. And um, I I don't know if I can think of any that I I else that I'd want to live in. Oh, probably Parks and Rec. <laughs> Um, even though there's a lot of insanity that goes on in that show, but all of the characters just seem like really interesting people to get to know. And it would definitely make for a very interesting work environment to to be in. Uh, never a dull moment in that office. So <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. As I was as I was thinking about this question, I tried to like put it again kind of chronologically like we see in the show and for me like I loved Bewitched growing up I I think that that's probably the first one that I would say um and that that premise just worked so well with the show even when they weren't referencing Bewitched it was still this this idea of a woman with powers kind of dealing with the world around her and I just loved that one um and then I guess, I don't know, moving forward, I mean, I, um, I enjoyed the Brady Bunch, you know, again, just Brady Bunch is kind of like Full House, but a little bit earlier, just, you know, very fluffy, just family, family humor. Um, going into the 90s, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely say The Nanny as well. That is a show with, with um, you know, very rooted in the 90s. So it's fun to, to see it as a product of its time, but also uh, rewatchable in a way that I feel like a lot of people um, you know, don't appreciate. And then um, going forward, I, I think that I would also have to pick Parks and Rec. You know, we, we're in this, we're, we're at the end of this kind of mockumentary era where with The Office and Parks and Rec and then Brooklyn Nine-Nine and things like that. And uh, even though they all have their, their charms, I think that uh, Parks and Rec has a particular magic in terms of the the characters and their interactions and um, I would not have a problem with with uh, working in in a job with with Leslie Nope. I think that uh, she's a little bit crazy, but uh, I, I I love her character so much. So, yeah, I think that uh, that brings us to the end of of this reflection. You know, it's it's fun to be able to kind of deviate a bit from our typical Star Wars programming. 
especially knowing that all of this is, um, you know, coming to us from, from the same, you know, a similar source and, and we're really getting this new era of Disney plus shows. So I'm really excited to see what's coming up. We now have a, um, we, we've got Falcon and Winter Soldier coming out. We've now got a premiere date for the Bad Batch, which I'm insane, insanely excited for. And um, beyond that, we've got Loki and all of the, and all of the other shows coming up as well. So um, you can be assured that we've got much more content on the horizon. And uh, we hope that you, our listeners, will continue to take this journey with us. So thank you, as always, for your support. And um, as always, you can find us on social media. You can find Arika at alias Arika Jade on Instagram. And you can find me at, uh, at Dark Saber Light on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to see. And um, we will be back at this time next week with another episode of Stories by Dark Saber Light. So thank you very much. Have a wonderful day and may the force be with you. Uh, all right. Good? Yep. Okay, I'm gonna stop recording.